we can say that the military isn't our job, or we can realize that it's 40% of our economy and what would we do without it? Um, so um, I'm, we're, you know, certainly we as a city are not gonna sit idly by um, if there's needs or concerns that they have uh, in, uh, that we can be helpful in. Uh, I've made that abundantly clear that uh, we will play an active role in anything that we can do uh, to help uh, support the mission uh, at NAS. Mayor D.C. Reeves yesterday during his press conference talking about a recent opportunity he had to go tour NAS Pensacola with Captain Terry Shashadi, the commanding officer of the base. Village is his uh, call sign that you might hear him referred to as. And uh, I'm kind of curious to find out what he found out. Mayor Reeves joins us now. Uh, D.C., welcome back to the Pensacola Morning News, sir. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You bet. So, um, I, you know, I know sometimes you can know a thing, but then seeing it in person makes your knowledge uh, de- deeper. But you also see things you wouldn't have known. You learn about things you wouldn't have known. What did you get out of your uh, tour of NAS Pensacola and how is that going to change what you do as mayor? Yeah, it, it, you know, I think you said it exactly right. You know, you hear about things and what are our strengths, whatever, what are our opportunities? And, um, you know, I was able to get a chance to go around uh, base and really more specifically, you know, look at some of the infrastructure that we have to, to serve mission, you know, so a lot of times conversation about around the base and the military uh, is focused and understandably so on, on museum access and base access. And that wasn't really the purpose of, of this visit is to kind of get a lay of the land. Uh, you know, I, I asked the uh, village was gracious and, and, and his folks were gracious to, uh, with their time uh, to let me uh, get a firsthand look at what's going on there. And <clears throat> here's the reality. Uh, you, you played that clip. Uh, we have to be an active participant in what happens at the base. What we know is it's 40 percent of our economy. Um, so, you know, to say, well, that's not us, that's someone else. You know, we have to do anything that we can to, to help. And, um, you know, I've, I've got concerns uh, about about the infrastructure on base and, the you know the advocacy for our our base and what it does for us uh, as a community and so you know more specific to you know there's some there's, there's some hangars out there that, that you know if another hurricane came through um, that uh, that are older uh, and it probably couldn't stand too much of a major hurricane and then you then you play the game of what happens then if the, if those if those hangars if that infrastructure is not operable. Mission goes elsewhere, and no one promises anybody that mission comes back. That can, that can include your normal training. That can include the Blue Angels. That can include a lot of different things. So you know, I'm, you know, we're we're away from that. But the point is, is that's we don't we cannot sit around passively and say, you know, man, we hope the base is doing okay. You know, we, we've got to get out and play an active role. And I certainly, uh, they are not on our PNL. They, they these are not our employees, but we are going to. Uh, take a, an active role with our other community partners to make sure the base uh, is as strong as possible. Yeah, I, I hear at least three different dimensions of what the city might care about when it comes to the base, maybe four even. Uh, you know, one is uh, uh, obviously base access, but you said that wasn't the point. We know that problem. That's a problem I know you and other le- leaders are working on. Um, two is the education system, which you've mentioned in the past is not directly our baby, but hey, uh, you know, you can say that the low quality education or the perception of it, whatever, uh, is a problem for the military and it's not our problem. But if we can do something, we'll do it. Let's see what we can do. Uh, third, we'll be making Pensacola a great place so that the military members want to be here and get benefits from our culture and our activities. And, you know, it's a draw. But then that fourth one is a very interesting one. What you mentioned is advocating for infrastructure spending and improvements on the base that, 
you know, the Navy can't go beg for stuff, right? You know, like, you know, sometimes a political leader can say the things that uh, maybe the Navy leader, you know, the Navy folks, they can't say. Uh, so I think that's very interesting in, you know, making it more resilient and thinking about what would happen if. My question is, um, you know, they took a half a billion dollars worth of damage from Hurricane Sally. I mean, it's bad. And I know the Navy's working on fixing that, but as prices go up and budgets are constricted, did the stuff that you saw that were you were concerned about, was it fixing Sally or was it prevention against a future loss that might jeopardize mission like the hangars not being resilient enough? No, that's a great point. And, and uh, there are Sally's, you know, fairs happening for Hurricane Sally. And I can speak to this because it's the same concept in the city. What you have to understand about that damage and, and the, uh, the funding to repair that damage is that's to bring things back to pre-Sally condition. That's right. not, oh, well, you took a hurricane. Let's enhance what you had. You know, and that, that goes the same for the city. When, when the city receives FEMA dollars, when, uh, you know, when we finally get going over here at Wayside Park, for example, and fix the seawall uh, right by the graffiti bridge, we don't get to change the paint color. We don't get to, to make it taller. We don't get to add a breakwater with that funding. We return it to the day before salad. So that's the same concept on the military bases. So, it, you know, the hangars I speak of that, that are vital to mission uh, and AS, there's repairs happening. But those are repairs that are happening just to bring it back to Sally condition. So, you know, the reality is if they can't withstand a Cat 1 before Sally, um, then then where they're going to be as we sit right now is not any better than they were the day before Sally. So That's such a good um, point, yeah. You know, that, we're, we're really talking about the enhancements uh, that can help maintain and perhaps, depending on what happens, help grow mission at the base, which, of course, you know, grows our community. And that's suddenly, I mean, I know we already know this, but it sort of reminds me of, it really seems like a very short-sighted policy to simply restore to status quo ante when you discovered that status quo ante wasn't adequate for the storm. Why aren't we also improving in that process instead of simply restoring? You know, one of the things that you talked quite a bit about yesterday, and I'm a, I am love this idea, is uh, turning uh, Plaza Ferdinand into a usable space where the Palafox Market South basically can set up camp with the, what, 50 or so vendor waiting list that they've got question though is if you look at the martin luther king jr plaza uh i think we'd have to agree that um it's not robust and green the way it maybe once was is there a concern that if you put a marketplace into plaza ferdinand that you might not also lose the grassy areas there same way yeah we've we have been um i would say uh, you know quite meticulous in terms of uh, trying to see any blind spots that we have here including uh, you know the, the tree canopy that we have that's been there a long time and is beautiful and um you know how we continue to you know still make sure we're not losing sight of recognizing um this as a historic place a very historic place in the city um so you know our, our arborist has been out there our parks and rec department's been out there i mean you know there's probably already some improvements um that need to happen even with with uh, some turf and some uh, you know day-to-day kind of operations as it is. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day with Plaza Ferdinand, if you can get a triple win in my mind, which is cultivate and grow small business, which I think, you know, of course is, you know, close to my heart. Of, right. Um, where I've, where am I, uh, where I come from, I guess. Um, but, you know, to give people the ability to make a living and start to grow a business. And when we have that opportunity, I think is, you know, important. And, you know, I think, the second part of that is understand that the that the revenue that the DIB collects for this Palafox market, as they do with MLK Plaza, is money that goes back in uh, to that park itself. So you know, no no quicker way 
to you know be able to build revenue. And at the end of the day, you know, we have a park that's in the heart of our downtown that, ha- based on ordinance, is very very passive. So we get to look at it, but we don't really get. No one is really allowed to experience it. So. Um, I, I've kind of treated this in my mind like a pilot project. You know, we're going to learn things, right? Yeah. I, I walked it, for example, and we had talked about a one, maybe on this piece of sidewalk, we should only have booths on one side, not the other, so it's not too congested. You know, yeah. we're going to work through those little things, but I do think we've you know got to get in traffic on on our ability. You know, and this is this is really five hours a week is what we're talking about. So we feel pretty comfortable that it's not going to be taking that day to day wear and tear that that would affect anything. But j- please understand, you know, anybody that has any concerns about it, we are going to be monitoring that very, very closely as we start to see this thing get off the ground. And I loved your talking about how Tanya Day Broaden had said it used to be a Spanish market way, 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 way back in the day. And we're just bringing forward its historical use to today. I love that aspect of it. Um, quick question for you. I think this is the kind of thing that either the city already does, and if we don't, it's something that you would uh, agree is a good thing to do. We were having a conversation the other day about a um, a bidding decision in Santa Rosa County where they decided to go with the second low bid because they believed that the lowest bidder had done poor quality work on a previous project. And it raised to me the immediate question of, it seems like anytime you hire somebody to do work for a municipality, there ought to be an after-action evaluation that says whether it was good or not, and then maybe if it's a big project a year or two down the road to see if the work held up, so that you really have grades for companies and you can look at that in your decision about to whom to award bids and contracts. A, does the city do that? And B, if they don't, does that make sense to you to start doing? I'm not aware, in terms of the city, I'm not aware that we do that. Uh, but what, conceptually, what you're talking about, I absolutely agree. As you can imagine, coming from the private sector, yeah, rarely did I make my decision on a vendor. Rarely, because of a nominal difference in cost. Uh, you know, right. I want someone that can make sure that they do it right. Or if something goes wrong, I can get them on the phone. You know, so you have to think about that. You know, what would we do, right? I mean, and so government is, of course, you know, you want to be transparent, and this is the this is taxpayer money, and you you have to respect that. But if doing something for ten percent cheaper and then having twice as many problems, it, is that really being a good steward of taxpayer money? You know, I mean, I, we can make a case. It's just difficult when when you have the the RFE process and and procure procurement and all these different things, which are very necessary, right? you know, but the unintended consequence is to award the lowest bid. And, and look, understand bidders know that. I mean, what can happen sometimes is you come in as a low bid and then all of a sudden you get a couple months down the road and there's change orders and there's unexpected costs. You know, there's another side to this competitively that, that puts the city at a disadvantage as well, right. you know? And so um, it is a difficult situation to navigate. We want to be responsible with taxpayer dollars. But again, if quality isn't considered at all and it's only cost, are we being responsible with taxpayer dollars? Right. The and and, and, that, and that was that was the whole point. And I thought maybe this would be a way to help, you know, chip away at that challenge of making sure that we're getting quality and not just cheap uh, products or services in the process. All right. Time for the uh, the lightning round. We ask you silly, ridiculous, uh, quick questions. Uh, when you're getting ready to go out the door in the morning, sock, sock, shoe, shoe. Or sock shoe sock shoe for DC Reeves. Um, I 
can I say I keep people on their toes? Uh, 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 nice. Uh, I switch it up all the time. I just it just <laughs> depends on depends on the day and if I've had coffee. Yet. You're a lateral thinking practitioner. I love that. Um, do you instinctively know your left from your right, or do you have a mechanism where you have to check to double check to make sure you've got it right? Like the like the two hands in the like air, the like L, the L, or the, the, yeah, or do, I, the backwards L. Do you instantly know left from right, uh, or is there some mechanism? Uh, I think I inst- I've got it you know, for thirty eight years. I think I've got it covered for the All most right. part. Um, but you know, now that I have an eight year old putting both hands up, and now <laughs> I even double check myself now when I see her do it. So. Well, look, you know, my wife has a mechanism, and about half of all people have a mechanism. It's not instinctive for everybody, which I think is fascinating. Uh, last one yeah. is. Did you, like a little kid, go out and try to look at the green comet and get disappointed at the pea soup sky in Pensacola, or did you just think, nah. Yeah, you know, if I remember to go look at that stuff, uh, <laughs> then then I I am fascinated by it. I, I went and saw the path of totality during the eclipse. You know, whatever. Oh, yeah, years yeah. Ago out in Oregon, that was cool. Um, but uh, I, you know, someone's got to tap me on the shoulder. You know, like five seconds before to make sure I'm keeping track, but. I, I will tell you, you know, I'm heading to Boston this weekend, and it's going to be the coldest day in five years in Boston. So oh, uh, it'll you. be the coldest I've ever been in my life if we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, nature, uh, Mother Nature. I got gotcha. you. Not necessarily looking forward to that. Oh, that's right, because you're headed to Harvard, right? First of two uh, in, uh, events, you're going to Harvard? Yep, we're going to Harvard, and then, yeah, I think Friday it's like negative seven uh, or something <laughs> like that. So, uh, oh, if I, if bundle I, uh, up. I have frozen, fun. Hey, real quick, will you steal me a Harvard napkin? Oh, nice callback. <laughs> uh, sure, yeah. I'll, yes. uh, I'll, I'm going to buy all my friends T-shirts, you know, from the bookstore so they can <laughs> act like they're students. Third oldest city in the United States. All right, uh, DC, th- <laughs> thanks so much for the time, sir, as always. Have a safe trip, and we'll talk to you again next week. All right, guys, thanks.